0: Imagine, like, what if Bluffton became a different place because the church started to live out what she was called to live out? What if she was reminded of who she was supposed to be and we started to live that out? What if we, as God's people here in Bluffton, what if we recaptured our hearts for Jesus and we focused on Him and then we lived out what God is calling us to live out? My friends, the unstoppable church that Jesus is building is built by bringing individuals together so that they would become something new together. That's what we are called to be to be unstoppable. What's up, church? Yo, yo. It's good to see you. Cool, thanks. Good to see me, too. One of these days you'll respond, it'll be great. Um, Have you ever been in a situation where you were in over your head? Anybody? No? Okay, cool. Thank you. Interaction's good. Um, So I found myself there, in that place, this past week. Um, I was, on Wednesday, Kyrea and I got in my car and we started to head to Cincinnati. Now this wasn't a trip as a daddy-daughter date, you know, some kind of fun thing that we were going to go and do in Cincinnati. This was... Uh, we had an appointment with a surgeon, and we had to go to uh, same-day surgery, thankfully, and she had to get a bladder reflux uh, repaired in her bladder. Uh, that's a thing, bladder reflux. Um, and so we, we had to go there, and uh, you know, as you can imagine, the drive there was filled with a little bit of fear and uh, some assuring her and, and all that. And we, we get into the uh, the room before you go to the OR, and uh, they took a couple pictures of, of us. Uh, This was when she was feeling pretty good because they gave her some stuff. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) She's feeling pretty silly. So, um, you know, one of the things, everything was like, okay, I can handle this. You know, as as the day kind of uh, drew near, I was things were starting to become very clear about what's about to happen and. It becomes really clear if you've ever been in a situation like this that many of you have, I'm sure, where they hand you the paper and it, it outlines all the things like the anesthesia and the surgery. The paper that I'm supposed to sign as her dad to give them permission to go ahead and move forward with the surgery. You know, <clears throat> I was like just reading it. You know, it says risks and it's blah 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 blah. And she's in here, so I won't say the last thing, but it, it had the it started with a letter D. It was like a major risk. And so in that moment, I felt in over my own head. And, but what gave me a little bit of peace in the midst of this nerve-wracking situation was knowing that I had a lot of brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles of hers who were praying for her. People in multiple cities lifting up Kyrea to the Father, knowing that the Father was with me and that my brothers and sisters were praying for her on her behalf, uh, making, making heaven be aware of what was Going on. That gave me a little bit of peace. And she's in here right now. Hi, Kai. Uh, she did well and, and everything went well, uh, but I fell in over my own head. Um, but, but what gave me peace was knowing that I had brothers and sisters, her aunts and uncles, who were lifting her up in the name of Jesus to our Heavenly Father. You see, God looks at the church as His family. So, these weren't just brothers and sisters of blood of mine, but these were brothers and sisters like some of you, like people in other cities who are following Jesus, and they're my brothers and sisters, her aunts and uncles. I'm so grateful that my kids get to grow up with a bunch of aunts and uncles. Look around, that's you. They get to lift her up and encourage them through life's difficulties. And so, God looks at his church, the church, as his family. He looks at you, as we talked about last week, as his. if you're in Jesus, if you're in Christ, as his child. And then he joined us into this family, and he looks at the church, and he says, when he looks at the church, he sees his his kids, his family. Now, many of you are thinking, like, you've got a crazy family, right? Like your blood family, they're crazy. A A little bit cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, you know what I'm saying? And if you don't have a crazy family, the crazy one is you. You know what I'm saying? So like we, and then we look at like, okay, you want me to give me a new family, God? Thanks. You know, like let's just fill ourselves up with some more uh, controversy. But, but God's family is a little bit different as at least, at least it should be. You see, the problem is God looks at the church as his family, but, but we oftentimes don't. We oftentimes don't look at church or the church as God's family. Oftentimes when we look at the church, we look at it as like a commodity, where we're going and we're, we're here to receive something that will nourish us spiritually for the whole entire week because this is our only meal we're gonna get. So it better be good, it better be challenging, it better be the right mix, the, the recipe, better be the right mix of challenging and encouraging because this is gonna have to last me the whole week. Oftentimes we look at the church like that. Sometimes we look at the church uh, instead of just looking at it as a commodity, we, we look at the church as an event that we come to or don't come to. Uh, here in October, Sarah and me are going to go to the Cowboys game Sunday night against the Eagles in Dallas. It's going to be epic and amazing, right? And I'm going to get there. It's going to be awesome. And, and I'm going to get there and, I, you know, we got the seats. They ain't the best, you know, they're expensive, but I'm going to be able to see stuff, you know, and, and I'm going to be happy with that. And uh, I'm gonna get in there, and I hope the experience is good, because I paid the money for it, and I expect to be entertained. And some, some of us, we, we oftentimes come to church and expect the same thing. We gotta get our good seats, right? Many of you sit in the same spot every week, so you gotta get your good seats. Oftentimes, that's in the back or on the side. If you just look, at the, I, I see y'all, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's never the front row, we got a few brave ones, you know? My spit doesn't go that far, you know, as I'm talking. <laughs> Um, So we oftentimes look at the church as an event where we are coming to receive some kind of entertainment. But God doesn't look at the church as that way. He looks at it as his family, as his family. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up. We're going to be in 1 John and in the book of Mark. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and mark those two. Um, Or if you have your smartphone app, UVersion is a great one. Uh, we're gonna be in those two spots. First John uh, chapter three. John is writing this letter to uh, Christians in the first century, to churches uh, who are dealing with all kinds of things. And he says this in 1 John chapter three, verse one. This is what John said to these Christians who needed some encouragement. He says this, see what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Okay, I'm gonna gonna read that again because I don't know that we got it yet. Okay. See what great, magnificent, marvelous, amazing, glorious love that the Father, the NIV says lavished, that the Father has lavished, has given us so that we should be called God's, what's what's that word, church? God's, Let's do it again God's children. children and we are that is who we are So so this is what we talked about last week but we need to revisit it because We get a new father when we give our lives over to Jesus. We get a new dad, one that will go to bat for you, one that will pursue you, one that will be with you every step of the way, every single day, every moment of your life. He will be with you. He loves you not just in word, but in deed. He gave his son so that we would have eternal life. We would not perish but that we would have eternal life. God the Father loves you so much that he gave of his son so that we would be free from our sin, free from the things that hold us in shackles. On the cross, Jesus gave of himself and he bore your sins, past, present, and your future sins. On the cross, And he rose again after being dead for a couple of days. On the third day, he rose again, defeating sin and death. And then God looked at you, and in Jesus, when you enter into a relationship with him, you now have the same status, the relationship status. No longer on Facebook is it complicated, but now you have a different kind of relationship status with God the Father. Now you are looked at as his child, as his child. So he saw you in the midst of your struggle. He saw you in the midst of your mess. He saw you in all of the muck and all the mud of the, of the life that you have lived. And he said, I love you so much. I'm going to redeem you and call you my own and call you my own. So we receive a new father when we give our lives to Jesus. When he rescues us, we receive a new father, a father who loves us so much That it hurt. Uh, Anybody like getting family photos? Okay. Anybody not like getting family photos? Anybody not sure what you should do? You're afraid to raise your hand in church? Okay. Um, Family photos. So, uh, this is my fam. This is my fam. And uh, uh, aren't they so cute? Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate that. you know, we, we uh, got in contact with a, with a friend of ours and asked, asked her to um, take some family photos of us because this was right, right, right around the time where we were transitioning away from Cincinnati coming to here. And for us, it was a it was a bookmark in the story that God has been writing of our lives, and you know we were able to we we're able to look back and say this is a chapter that God was closing, and now He's uh, started this new chapter. And I, I just love the personality that uh, is articulated in our family, uh, the attitude uh, and the pizzazz. And you know, I look at pictures like that. I look at pictures of my kids. I look at pictures of my wife. And, and you know what I think. I, there's, there's so much in me that I can't even articulate how much I love them, how much I adore them, how much I'm so thankful that God has given me the ability and the, the, the opportunity to love and lead them. And you know what? Because we are God's children and we have a father who loves us so much, I want you to understand the amount of love that you can love your kids, the amount of love that you can love your spouse or your significant other, the amount of love that you can muster up for someone else is nowhere even close to the amount of love that God loves you with. On a scale of one to 10, it doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of number one. It doesn't even tip the scales a little bit, not even a little bit. God's love for you is so much far beyond what we can even imagine or think of, and He loves you lavishly, relentlessly. He loves you. And so when He has His family photos, He looks at you and He adores you because you're in that photo in Jesus. You're a child. Of God, so Jesus said something really interesting because not only do we gain a new father, but Jesus says something in Mark chapter three that, that's probably going to surprise a lot of us. And so, Mark chapter three, if, if you go there, Mark chapter three, uh, verse thirty-one. Here's here's the context for it before we dive into it. Um, Jesus is in the middle of teaching a bunch of people at a house. You know, imagine if we had all of us trying to pack into a, a regular old twelve hundred square foot home living room that has a couch and a love seat and that's it and that's kind of the picture that you might get if you transform that picture into our day that had Jesus in the middle of this this house teaching all the people they couldn't even eat it was so packed in and and a few verses before this uh words getting around people are accusing of Jesus of being possessed by a demon okay (laughs) because he's like casting out demons like he must be possessed by one Uh, And all this and that, you can read it. Mark chapter three, you should read the Bible. It's got some cool stuff in it, okay? I promise you. Some crazy stuff, okay? Uh, But but in this, Jesus's family says, this dude's lost his mind. Like that's exactly what they said in Aramaic. This dude's lost his mind. That was a joke. They didn't say dude. They might've, I don't know. Uh, But man, my bro, my my son, he's lost his mind. And so they, they want to go and like correct Jesus And so he's in this house and this is what we see in Mark chapter three, verse 31. It says this, his mother and his brothers came to that house and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. They, They didn't send a text, they didn't have that yet. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, look, your mother, your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, who are my mother and my brothers? And this is, this is, Jesus is so funny. Dude, there's people outside. You know who your mom and your brother and your sisters are. Like, you just know. You already know that. But this is what Jesus does. He asks you questions that you think you know the answer to, but then you're like, wait. Huh? He says, looking at those sitting in a circle around him, probably his disciples, people were following him closely. uh, He said this, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This was like a no-no in that time because family was a big deal. Um, whoever does the will of God is my mother, my brother, and my sister. What is Jesus saying? He said that on, on some level, there's this reality that now, scripture has all these kind of like uh, uh, good advice and, and, and godly wisdom for how we ought to love our immediate family. How we should be a good uh, father, dads. We should be a good father. We should be a father that, that, that loves our kids like Jesus loves us. Moms, uh, how you should be an awesome mom who loves your kids like Jesus loves you. Uh, how as kids, we should honor our father and mother like we should honor our heavenly father. Uh, there's all kinds of things in there. But there's also this level where Jesus says, hey, these people, my, my family, are getting in the way of the will of God. And I need you to understand that there's something different that God is doing. He's going to build an ever-expanding family. My family is not just the people inside of the four walls of my home. What, what Jesus is saying, that my family is far beyond that, and whoever does the will of God is my, my, my mother, my brother, my sister. That, that there's an intimacy there, there's a relationship there. That is close. And so if you have family members who are outside of Christ then this is is kind of what he's talking about. If you have family members who uh, are in Christ, you have them as a part of your heavenly family, your supernatural family. Jesus said some really hard things about family. Read read the book of Matthew, Sermon on the Mount. He he said some hard things about family and about following him. But what he's saying in here, and and there's imagery that kind of makes it hard because like you're thinking about uh, you know, moms, you thinking about you being the mother of Jesus? That's kind of like that's hard. Like wh- what? Huh? What? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but think about this. Maybe this is the be- the the easiest imagery to understand. Think about Jesus as your big bro, your big brother. He's, he's saying, whoever does the will of God is my my mother, my brother, my sister. Think about him as your big bro, your big brother. Um, the will of God, what is that? To love God and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's what Jesus said fulfills the law of Moses. To love, the, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that means everything. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the will of God. Anybody, uh, you, you, are you the oldest in your siblings? Oldest people, come on. Usually I don't have to tell the oldest to like raise their hands up high because they're like, yeah, it's me. What? Huh? I'm ready. Everybody line up. Let's go, you know. <laughs> Dude, there's a psychological dynamic going on. Go ahead, raise them up again, oldest. Yeah, everyone look around. It starts to explain things, doesn't it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's a reality, right? Like, birth order, like, middle child thing, like, that's a real thing. The baby thing, it's a real thing. Um, it's just reality. And And I'm the oldest, too, so, like, you know, I get it. There's this reality like of, of being a big brother, or a big sister, that you get the responsibility and the privilege of, of being an example for your younger siblings, of being the responsible one sometimes, or you pick on them, and it 's just awesome, right? Um, so l- let me tell you about this so i like, 'm I'm, I'm the oldest've got uh, on my mom's side i 've got one brother who I grew up with, he's five years younger than me, and then on my dad's side, I have two sisters and a brother, all half siblings. You know, I got a, a weird family, okay? And so uh, growing up, we were uh, in north side of Fort Wayne, DuPont Estates, so with a trailer there. Me and my mom and my brother lived there. And I was like seven, my brother was like two. And I think I had just got done uh, watching some, some, back in the day it was WWF wrestling, you know? <laughs> like it was either that or watching some football, okay? I'm not sure. Or playing some like Tecmo Super Bowl a oh, Bowl on, on like the, the Sega or something like that. I think I just got done doing one of those things, right? Watching Stone Cold Steve Austin like kick people and do the thing. Some of y'all know who I just said. Others of y'all, you don't even know, okay? Uh, so I, I don't know, I was amped up, okay? Let's just say that. I was amped up and uh, my brother, five years younger than me, he's like two, you know, he's a good size to just kind of throw around. You know what I mean? Right, right? Oldest siblings, you know what I'm saying? It's all good, Right. Youngest ones, you know, like you hate me now. Um, so I remember I, we were doing something in the hallway and in a trailer, you got some hallways that are kind of, kind of tight, you know, so uh, I was doing something and, and needless to say, the, the end of it was, and my mom freaking out and he had a concussion, okay? I'm not a good big brother. And here's the point. Jesus is not like me. He's a much better big brother than, than me, okay? He's the, he, he's the brother we need when we are uh, depressed. He's the brother we need when we are defeated. He's the brother we need when we are sad. He's the brother we need when we are victorious and we have something to celebrate about. He's the brother who will walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death and we will fear no evil for he is with us. He's the brother who we need in every moment of every day. He's the brother we need when we, when we need advice. He's the brother we need when we need correction. He's the brother we need when we need to be rebuked sometimes. He's the brother we need when we need to be getting kicked a little bit in the rear so that we can go and do what he's calling us to do. Jesus is the big brother that we all need. So I know this is hard to understand because Jesus, we talked about for like seven weeks uh, a little while ago that Jesus is the king. He's the king. He's the almighty king and we should worship him. He's a Lord and savior. Those kinds of ideas are a little bit probably easier for a lot of us to understand that Jesus is the one who rules and reigns over his kingdom. But there's also a level that in Christ, we are co-heirs with Jesus, that we are all children of the father. And so when we are in with the father, we have a big brother, Yes, he is the king. Yes, he is glorious. He is amazing. And he is full of power. And he's also our big brother. He's the one who wants to look out for us. He's the one who will go to bat for us. He's the one who has our back. He's the one we need. Our Jesus is our big brother when we are following him. He's a better big brother than me. So not only do we get a, a, a new father and a new big brother, but there's this other element, and, and it makes things a little bit messy and a little bit dicey sometimes. We get a bunch of other brothers and sisters too. And, and some of us know how complicated that can be. So 1 John, uh, let's go back to him. John's got some wisdom for this. 1 John 4, because the question is, what is life in the family of God like? What does it look like for us to be the family of God? Let's get down in the nuts and bolts. What does this look like for us to be God's child, Jesus's younger sibling? What does it look like? So 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 19, this is what John says. He says, we, we, we love because he first loved us, the father. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a, what is that word, church? He is a, let's say it again, he is a, a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So there's this dynamic in the, in the, in being in God's family that, that, we have to understand that we cannot fulfill God's will without God doing something in us. You and I cannot love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as we love ourselves if it was just up to us. We can't do it, we fail at it. Anyone ever had some impure thoughts about someone else? No? Okay, cool. Yeah. We as people fail. At doing that. But we thank God that God loves us so much that He saw it fit to to forgive us of our sins and transform us from the inside out so that we can be children of His, so that we can love with the same love that He has for us. Because here's the thing children of God love with the Father's love, and that love is relentless. Children of God love with the Father's love, and that love is relentless. When we are a child of God, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He wants to change you and transform you to look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday. And so what does it look like to have brothers and sisters in Christ? It looks like loving them like Jesus loved us. When we say, I love God, and yet we hate our brother we hate our sister we hate someone it's like us going to the car lot and getting us a nice car like like a really good one like 750 horsepower fellas can i get an amen yes yes or maybe like a 1969 camaro ss with a stick shift 383 stroker bored out engine dual exhaust it's just going it's ready It just screams when it goes. Anybody, you know what I'm saying? It's like getting one of those and not putting fuel in it. That's what it's like to say, I love God, but I hate my brother and sister. You got a nice car, it looks great. It's a great thing, but yet it doesn't move. You see, God's love is meant to move. Saying I love God and hate my brother or sister is like getting a hot air balloon and not having any hot air. It's just flowery tarp and flowery language. See, God's love is meant to lift people up. To say you love God and yet hate your brother or sister," is like going into get a boat, like a really nice boat. It looks good, engine's awesome. It'll move. It'll go. It'd be a great source of enjoyment for your family. You want to live at the lake because you got this boat. But the problem is the boat doesn't float. Another question: Does a boat that doesn't float, is it still a boat? <laughs> think, think about it. For real. These are things I think about when I'm preparing a sermon, okay? <laughs> like, boom. Like, I want to think about that for a minute. That ain't gonna, that's not gonna be a part of the sermon. No, it is, because think about this. We're going to work this in, okay? A boat that doesn't float is like us saying that God, that we love God and yet it doesn't work because God's love is meant to go beyond ourselves. And when we don't love our brother or sister, it's as if we don't know God. It's as if we don't know God's love. Many of us, we know this intellectually. We know God loves us. We know that we're supposed to love people. We know this all in our head, but our hearts are so hardened. Our hearts are so beaten. Our hearts are so uh, covered up with all kinds of barriers that we've created so that we cannot know God's love because we've been hurt a time or two. Anybody been hurt a time or two? Maybe you've been hurt by people in the church. Maybe you've been hurt by just life in general. And when, when that happens, we grow bitter and we... We fail to love our brothers and sisters. And so God's love comes from him to us, and that is supposed to emanate outward to others. And our love for others is proof of our love for him. You see, it kind of creates a cross. Our love for God, his love for us is vertical, and our love for people is horizontal. It's almost like God was giving us some imagery to see. See, our love for God cannot exist if we hate our brother or sister. And that's hard, y'all, because people are messy. People are difficult to love. Amen? Yeah? You can say amen. The person next to you already knows it, you know? Here's the reality without the Father changing us from the inside out. This is why the Holy Spirit is so important, for you to understand that God is seeking to do work in you. When there is someone in your life that you cannot love, that you kind of hate a little bit, maybe a lot, God is doing work in you, and what he wants to do is open your heart so that you can love them, and when you start to have moments where you're like, mm, you're right, God, I should love them. And then you start to be open to that. That is God working in you. That's what we should expect to see. That's what we should expect to see is for us to grow in our love for others and our love for God. See, children of God love with their father's love and that love is relentless. It's not, you, you think it was like easy and, and nice and tidy for Jesus to love you? No, it wasn't. It resulted in him being beaten bloody, and nailed to a cross. And then he died. It's not easy to love, it's messy to love. Love is messy, it's hard, it's difficult. It drove Jesus to the cross because that's, all, that's what it took for him to love us to the extent that we needed to be loved. And so when we step into relationships in our day and time, uh, it helps when we're both trying to love each other in the name of Jesus. But sometimes that's not what happens, right? Sometimes we love those who do not love us. Jesus talked about that. He said, that's the reality of what I've shown you that I'm willing to do because I know that many of you, as in what Jesus is saying to the crowds, do not love me, yet I love you so much I'm going to the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for what they do. As he's hanging on the cross, as the people are, are crucifying him. Forgive them for what they do, for they don't, don't do what, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Why? Because they didn't understand what was happening. And so that's the kind of love that he loves us with. Life in the family of God looks like this. There's a, a guy by the name of Joseph Hellerman, and he gives uh, four New Testament family values. Uh, family values of their day and time in the first century. And he says that throughout the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, you can see that the church was was doing these kinds of things for each other. It's from a book called When the Church Was a Family. He's talking about the social and and contextual cultural things uh, at work in the midst of the early church and the the Roman uh, and, and Jewish kind of history right then and there, that culture. And he says, this is what it looks like to be a family. Beyond just your four walls, but the church as a family. This is what he saw them doing. Number one, that we share our stuff with one another. And why do we give? Because we're trying to be generous so that we can support each other and support the mission that God has put us on. We share our stuff with one another. What do you do with family when someone's in need? A lot of times you help them. Yeah. So the second thing is uh, we, we share our hearts with one another. We share our hearts with one another. The third thing is we stay, we embrace the pain, and we grow up with one another. And the fourth thing is we, family is more about more than me, my spouse, and the kids. It's a hard thing for us in American culture, Western civilization, to understand that the church, as the family of God, is just as much, if not more, your family than your family. Jesus said, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my mother, if you do the will of God. And the same is true for you. The same is true for us. So why do we why do we share our stuff with one another? Because Jesus was willing to give of himself, give everything he had to us so that we could experience freedom. Why do we share our hearts with one another? Because Jesus opened it up for everyone to see, for him to bear our sins on the cross. He bore all our burdens, past, present, and future. We share our hearts with one another because he shared his whole life with us. We stay, we embrace the pain, and we grow up with one another. Why? Because Jesus stayed. He embraced the pain that it was to love you, and he allowed us to grow up in the family of God. See, many of us, we've grown up in church. We've been here a while. We've stayed through the hard times, the difficulty, but that's where we're still presently residing, is in the difficulty. We have not grown up with one another. What, what, what scripture talks about is that there is this reality as a, as, as a follower of Jesus that when we first give our lives to Jesus, we're like a baby, we need milk. But as we grow, we should move to more substance, more sustenance, more stuff steak, bacon, those kinds of things, more nourishment. So, so he expects us to grow with one another. That's a beautiful reality of what the church is. It's for us to stay and embrace the pain and move forward together. And the fourth thing, family, is about more than me, my spouse, and the kids. Jesus shows us that we are his family. He loved you so much that he didn't just want to rescue from your sin and give you an opportunity to go into eternity with him, but to be in his family, to be counted among his kin. Children of God, love with their father's love, and that love is relentless. So the question is, what is Jesus saying to you right now? What is Jesus saying to you right now? Is he saying that there's a relationship that you need to work on? Is he saying that there is a barrier that you have in your heart to loving people, to being loved by people? What is he saying to you? I don't know. But I do expect the Holy Spirit to be working in you and for for us to be attentive of what he's doing, to be expectant that he's showing us where we need to go and love others because of his love for us. Here's a couple questions that we can ask ourselves. Maybe it helps a little bit with this. First one is this. Does my love for others feel like God's love for me? Does my love for others feel like God's love for me? Or say in a different way, what's it like to be loved by me? What's it like to be loved by me? you ever thought about that you look yourself in the mirror and ask the question for the people who are around you people who you know the people in relationship with you what's it like to be loved by me does anyone know what it's like to be loved by me because it should be like the father's love for us that they experience so two things as we close the first thing is this we all need to join god's family we need to join god's family God loves you so, so much that he saw you in a situation that you were in over your own head, that you couldn't fix it you couldn't learn enough to get out of it. You couldn't dig out of this hole long enough for you to get out of it. He, he, he saw us helpless and hopeless and decided that he would do something about it. And that is why Jesus came. That is why Jesus died on the cross, to bear our sins, to bear our shame, to bear our guilt, to bear our pain so that we can experience freedom in him, to we, so that we can live unhindered by all of life's difficulties so that we can walk through that with Jesus by our side, so that we can walk through that knowing that God the Father is our Father. He he is with us, he is caring for us, he is loving us, and he is walking with us. When we are down and out, when we are crying, when we are in tears, he is with you. That's what it's like to be in God's family, to then also have brothers and sisters around you who will lift you up when you do not have the ability to lift your head up. To be around people who are going to point you to Jesus every step of the way. And the way you join God's family, the way you enter into this relationship of God being your father and Jesus being your big brother is, is simply by, by surrendering to Jesus as the king, as the Lord, as the savior. Say, Jesus, you are everything. You are everything and more. I, I, I see that you are Lord. I see that you are king. I see that you died on the cross for me and you put your faith in him, you you surrender to him. And then you see that yourself, you've been walking this way, and you see, you notice yourself saying, this is not working, and you go to where he's going. That's called repentance. And then for many of us, we need to confess that Jesus is in fact Lord. And every time in the New Testament where someone made a decision to follow Jesus, their interaction, their experience was followed by this this thing that we call baptism. Really what it means is immersion. Being immersed into some water, being immersed into the life of Jesus, being immersed into the spirit of God. In Romans 6, you can read about it, you can fact check me. But when you go into the waters of baptism, it's a beautiful picture of your humility before God. And when you go down into the water, we hold you down just long enough for the bubbles to stop. As a joke. (laughs) But when you go down, you are participating in the death of Jesus. So that when you rise again to new life, you are participating in the resurrection of Jesus and to new life and God makes you new. He makes you into his child. And so that's you. If you're someone who has not made God your father, has asked him to adopt you into his family and have enjoyed the reality of Jesus as your brother, then that can be changed. As the survey ends, just just come forward. I'd love to talk to you about that. And the other thing is for being in God's family, many of us, uh, you were in community groups and we started those this week. And and we asked this question. We asked, what does God want to do in you? What, What kind of change does God want to make in you right now? What would you say? Because the Holy Spirit indwells you as a follower of Jesus, He's trying to work out the image of Jesus in your life so that you can be more like Him. What is one change that you can that you that you know God wants you to make? And so, if you're in a community group, here's here's my thing: if you're in one, we have to share our hearts with each other. We have to be willing to go there. There, all you know what I'm saying to share our hearts, to be uh, trusting in our brothers and sisters around us, that they'll lift us up in the name of Jesus. They won't push us down in the name of the devil. And for those of, us who, those of you who are not in a community group yet, I would encourage you, jump in. This is how we put feet to this reality of us the, being the family of God. You can just sign up on your connection card, put it in the middle box as you walk out, and we'll get in touch with you. There's, it's not too late. You can still get in. And the last thing is to join God's mission. Join God's family, join God's mission. Many of you, you, all of you who are in Jesus, God has given you so many gifts, so many talents, so many passions, and we want to leverage those for the glory of God and for the good of people. Jump on board in the mission that Jesus is carrying out in this world. So you can also sign up on the connection card. There's a trend here. And give it a shot. Just start a conversation. I wanna find a place for you where you are gifted for, you are passionate about, and that you can thrive in. So church would you stand we're going to we're going to pray and sing